all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and they you've got to get them off welfare. Hey guys, uh, you know what Canadian geese and the trucker convoy have in common? What? What's that? They're honking and shitting everywhere. <laughs> okay, wait, I've, I have heard jokes like this. Are they pooping in, like around, like on the sidewalk or something? Uh, that's what I've heard, yeah. At uh, least they're, they're pissing and, you know, leaving their trash everywhere. Of course they are. So Gross. Yeah, welcome to Cars and Comrades, everyone. My name's Bryant. We've got Connor and Brandon here today. Zach couldn't make it. He is traveling, he said, which, uh, you know, going with my theme of imagining that uh, that when people can't make it, they're doing something more exciting than they are. I'm going to imagine that he's traveling to the Super Bowl today. Where is the where is this? Where's it being held? again i don't remember i don't know la or something yeah i don't think yeah maybe who knows maybe he's traveling there maybe zach's a much bigger football fan than any of us knew yeah it'd be weird if that was his the big secret that he's been keeping (laughs) (laughs) guys i don't want to talk about it but i'm a really big football fan kind of embarrassed i've i've known like left oriented folks that actually were really into like whatever team whatever sport for whatever reason and it, it it does not like conflict in any way that I see, but man, it's fucking weird to me. Yeah, sorry if I implied that. You know, listeners, if you like football, that's okay. We won't judge you. You know, we're we're car weirdos. You know, we understand. Yeah, I, I don't feel like it's weirder than being a leftist car guy. Yeah, yeah. You, you're allowed to like shit. Like sometimes, and you're, people are like, oh, well, you're not supposed to like that one. You're like, well, I don't know, but I do. <laughs> I don't like know. that. That guy on Twitter the other, I don't know, it was a few years ago, that guy named Phil Greaves, I think he's like some some weird British Trotskyite or something, who was like, you know, Harry Potter is fascist, and this is fascist, and that's fascist, and Star Wars is fascist, and if you enjoy those things, and you're a fascist. Okay, well, and- one, <laughs> hold on, Star Wars is literally the opposite. <laughs> like, but it, for anyone who doesn't know, the Empire is the United States. Yes. And the rebels and the, are, I believe, representing the Viet Cong. Right. That's that's <laughs> what George Lucas said. Yes. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah. 100%. I did not know that. I, yeah. There are a lot of maybe Americans Maybe there's more to George this. Lucas that I need to know. Because he's also come out, like, back in the 80s, I think he came out, like, really openly saying, like, the Russian film industry is in some ways freer than the U.S. film industry. Right. Yeah. I forget what the director he was talking about was. He was saying that, like, you know, they might have some, let's say, political um, restrictions on what they can say in a movie, but they don't have, like, the sort of, like, financial and cultural baggage that the, the you know, American film studio industry had, you know, saying you can't say this or that about... If you don't think that there's government censorship in the U.S. film industry... Look into the way that the uh, like 
the military will oh, yeah. help out a film production and then have like creative control over how they're represented. Yeah, exactly. help out. <laughs> as best as I can tell, you would have to have an astronomical budget to make a, a military film that was critical of the military. I mean, even like to have anything related to anything you have to have like permission from the military it's it's crazy it is full-on state censorship here but people don't know that so yeah well so our we're gonna we're gonna do a news episode this week we've got a few different news stories for you that will probably be uh late and you know not news by the time this comes out but we're going to talk about it anyways and um but i guess first we'll do some project car updates so i always forget what our order is so i don't know it's arbitrary does anyone remember huh uh it's arbitrary who cares i say we start with bryant because he's in the middle okay sure i guess um well i've got a little bit of work done on my mr2 i got the shifter assembly all squared away so i got the you know the shifter on the inside of the car squared away i got the shifter cables all hooked up and everything it took me a couple tries just because everything is you know made of like rubber and flexible steel and you got to get this thing a little bit loose before you get that thing in place and then tighten everything down so um yeah it was a bit of a pain in the ass but i got it in the end um got the interior all put back together to cover that up Um, but yeah, now, now I get to do all the same shit with the suspension that I took apart to get the axles in because that's all, you know, 35 years old and kind of a little bit bent or rusty or doesn't line up hundred percent when I take the bolts out and try and put it back together. So that's going to be fun. And then, uh, all the coolant and vacuum hoses and put the battery back in and that's about it. So I'm hoping to get it you know, ready and on the road here pretty quick. Um, and then I can fix my, my Sabaru, which is uh, leaking fuel. Um, it's getting about, I don't know, 23 highway and about 10 or 15 city right now. So, uh, and I can smell gas occasionally. So it's definitely, it's definitely leaking. Um, God, I hate you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we were just talking before the recording that, you know, my 17 year old car is about as efficient and about as good on emissions as a 40 something year old van. But uh, yeah, yeah, but like my my once I figure it out, the the highway mileage on the Ford is still probably like 13 or 14. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Is that with an overdrive? No, that's that's a one to one final drive. I have settled on what transmission i'm going to swap into it though yeah yeah i'm, I'm going to go t5 so that i've got a, a five speed nice cushy overdrive and that should make the the ways that the van is is not as drivable right now it, it should button those up so i can cruise nicely on the highway and uh i think it'll be good so a yeah. t5 is that um <clears throat> does that mean it would you would have the, like the whole shifter come up through the floor or would you still have the three on the tree I'm four, going to delete the, the three on the tree and convert it to four shift and do okay. like, because uh, the, your seating position in the van is very forward of the transmission. I'm yeah. just going to make like a comically like big daddy Ross style, like uh, nice. uh, 
shifter with like a, a nice long dog leg in it so that I can get it up to a comfortable position for me. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, sorry. I, I'm realizing how goofy that sounds. So, uh, when you put this five-speed transmission in, are you still going to keep the three on the tree? <laughs> I, I kind of thought about I just like, meant column shift is really what I meant. <laughs> I, I can count. <laughs> so, like, three and five are the same, right? <laughs> um, I actually did try and think of a way that I could keep it and have it be like a five on the tree. And if there's a convenient way to do that, I don't know it and don't feel like being the guy to figure it out. Yeah. 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 That's for people when with money to cut do. a hole in the floor and call it a day. I, uh, I knew a guy in college who his family had like a, I think it was a 59 Mercedes and it had a, um, Cobb shift four speed. Um, but that's the only one I've ever seen. I've never seen a five speed column shift. Um, I genuinely feel like if I felt like putting in the effort, it would be very doable. Hmm. Um, because especially like with these older models, like everything is very exposed and just out there. I'm sure I could take apart the shifter mechanism and figure out how to make it have like a like center up and down position instead of just like a centered and up. But yeah, again, depends on like what the shifter mechanism is. Is it like just a stick that comes right out of the transmission or is there like two different linkages like like on I don't know, like on a Subaru or whatever? Um. Without having looked at it too closely, I'm pretty sure it's the two separate linkages thing. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We, we I, I've been very clear about my preference for automatic transmissions on this. I just have had fun banging through gears on the Ford, so I'm going to keep right. it that way. Yeah. I mean, you could do like a cable shifter or something like that if you really wanted to. Well, there's like the stick shift things that you can get that like basically bolt to the top of the transmission and I'm just going to get something like that. And then wherever it comes up, I will cut a hole in the floor for it to like come through. And then I'll just custom fabricate a lever that I will be able to reach from the driver's seat. And yeah, yeah, that sounds um, like a lot less work than cobbling something together. I'm, uh, I don't know how I'm going to like, uh, a friend of mine told me that when you do the, a, a, a T5 swap from a top loader, you have to change like the throw out or like the, the clutch, like where the clutch engages or, or, or whatever, a throw out bearing or something is different so that you have to like adapt it. But there were uh, Ford 300s that had T5 transmissions, so I don't think it'll be the hardest swap in the world. All the parts should just be out Oh, that'll be... World. Yeah, that'll be easy yeah. then. That'll be nothing. Cut a hole in the floor, and whatever the fuck they did on the ones that had that is what you're gonna do. Real easy. Since I, th I think we've accidentally trans trans uh, transitioned to me talking about my stuff, the next modification <laughs> that I want to make on the Ford is a starter that starts it every time. Oh, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ford, uh, not, I don't know if I'd say fix or repair daily, but weekly up, up till this point, I would say. Or, or hear me <laughs> out. This is what you could do. Have like a little hammer on a pivot and like a string <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> clunk, 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 clunk. <laughs> I, I'm in, like, I've never had this problem and I, I think it's, 
I've, I've had one of my vans do this before, but not consistently. The Ford, uh, the starter will like spin, but it won't engage. Hmm. That's so, okay. Hmm. So worst case, that could be a worst case scenario. It could I have, have uh, chip teeth on it. Be out like 50 bucks and half an hour. Yeah. I guess that's good. You yeah. can just kind of crawl underneath it and it's pr probably pretty easy to get to. <clears throat> you, you know what it might be? You might even be able to just change the solenoid because a lot of times um, it's that little solenoid on the start side of the starter that goes bad. And that's the thing that pushes the um, the like pinion gear out to engage with the flywheel. So f so if that Ford starters are different than what I'm used to. So, but as I understand it, I, I think you're completely correct. I, I think that if, if it's anything, it's that. And I, I think you can buy those separately, at least for the older style. Like, you can't on newer starters because they're like, ah, it's, it's a whole fucking thing. But on the old ones, I'm pretty sure you could buy um, just new solenoids. Because if you hear it spin, but it's not engaging, good chance that's what it well, is. Well, the weirdest thing to me is that it'll engage for a second and then come out and just spin. So I can usually get the van started. I just have to try, like, four, five, six times. For it to engage long enough to actually turn the motor over and start. Yeah. Not a good feeling. No. Just every time I go somewhere, I'm just like, I wonder if I'm going to be able to get home. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess it's it's a manual. You can bump start it, right? Yeah, depending on where I'm at. And you've got no shortage of hills in Pittsburgh. No, but... I'm not always parked in the right place or facing the right direction to try and bump start it. <laughs> I've actually yeah. started being more conscientious about where I park just in case I need to like push start it for a little while before I right. actually go somewhere. Yeah. I had, a, I had a good friend of mine who uh, did that for quite a while. We would just push his car and he'd start <laughs> it up. We'd push start it every time. So we'd go out and cruise in the middle of the night or whatever and You'd just be like, all right, well, let's get going. And then someone's got to push him to start his car. Uh, <laughs> it works. I didn't know the guy, but a couple of friends of mine told me that they knew somebody who, like, for some reason, just refused to kickstart his motorcycle. Like, didn't know how or it was broken or something. And every time he would go somewhere, he would bump start it. Hmm. So just, like, doing that awkward ass, like, pushing it while seated on it and get it <laughs> coasting enough to, like, throw it in gear and... <laughs> I mean, my old moped, that's how you would start it. That was like from the factory. That's how it's supposed to be started. Well, yeah, but that moped has pedals. And weighs <laughs> like probably weighs probably 300 pounds less than this. Bike. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, Brandon, do you want to hate Lexuses even more? Uh, yes, because I, <laughs> I had a guy really sell me on them this week in an effective way. So, yeah, uh, you... I, I need to re-up oh, the boy. hate. Do you know where the starter motor is on a Lexus LS 400 V8? Is this one of the deals where it's under the intake? Yes, exactly. It's in yeah. the valley oh. under the intake. I'm glad I know that now because now I'll never get an LS 400. <laughs> that I mean, that is one of those like I'm like, oh, that could I mean, be. It would be from what I lately, from what I understand, they use really high quality starter motors so they don't go bad as often. But still, like. This, yeah. Dumb, dumb. <laughs> no, when you put it under the intake, you're dumb. You're trying. Yeah. To that come on unbelievable um yeah i don't know i uh i i i'm working with a guy who is a very very 
very good mechanic, if for no other reason than his obsessive attention to detail, but like, uh, yeah, just really seems to know what he's doing and has everything he needs to like back up those claims. And he really like kind of sold me on, on Lexus's not for like, even, even in terms of cost, he was saying like, it's one of those cars where like, after you factor in the cost of maintenance over like five to 10 years, it balances out to be roughly as expensive as a much cheaper car because apparently, and I didn't realize the full extent to which this was true. They are extraordinarily well-built cars that will last for absolutely fucking forever. Yeah. Um, so they're Toyotas. Did you not know that? <laughs> I did, but like I didn't realize the extent of it until like I got a job where I worked 12 hours a day shoulder to shoulder with a guy who worked at a Lexus dealership. Um, well, and my understanding is that when they first started Lexus, Toyota spent a shit ton of money on R&D and getting everything right. And they like lost money for the like the first 10 years that they sold them or something like that. So like. You know, they really, it's especially the the LS400 is a very well-engineered car. Um, I can't speak to every single, you know, shiny Camry that they make. You know, some, some of them are just, they take a, a Toyota and make it a little bit nicer. But, you know, the ones that have the Lexus V8 and the Lexus everything else, you know, those are. Yeah, so I, I guess I, if I'm saying anything, it's from here on out, I might focus my hatred a little bit more towards specifically the owners and not as specifically <laughs> the cars themselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so the grand scheme of, of things is, uh, yeah, I haven't done shit this, this week. I, I have fucked a little bit with the Ford because it doesn't like to start all the time, but you know, it starts enough of the time. I don't worry too much. Cool. I got in the Chevy yesterday after having not driven it in like, I think almost two weeks and it started without hesitation. So I like my Ford a lot, but I'm still a Chevy guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You gotta like a car that starts most of the time. The the Chevy has got a very specific formula. You, no matter how long it's been sitting, give it one prime on the throttle, no more, no less. And it will start an idle more. And it has somehow already flooded. Less and it will spit and sputter and die, but just one prime to open. Op- like I forget the way the linkages are on carburetors, but they, like you pretty much have to do that to like get it to to turn on and and it, it loves it. It's happy. When the starter's working on the Sweet. Ford, it's not hard, but it still fights you a little bit more. Hmm. Oh, the one exception was uh, my friend tried to film me starting the van just so that he could show everybody how easily it starts. And uh, I almost killed the battery trying. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, how'd that go? Oh, it was it was low double digits, like 12 or 13 degrees. So I thought maybe it would need two primer uh, pumps. And that fucked me all the fuck up. Gotcha. It never did start that night. I fucked it up that badly. <laughs> yeah. F- old vehicles are finicky. Yeah, that's me. Your turn, Connor. Um, all right. Well, I haven't done uh haven't done too much, but uh car went back to the tuner again. So I think this is the fourth time at the tuner. 
Um, it is not working. <laughs> so, uh, it is, we're recording on Sunday. Um, I would like to have my car to get to work tomorrow. Um, but I don't currently have it. Um, so I'm hoping that one of the techs who, you know, the tuner who was working on my car said he'll probably go to the shop this weekend at some point and he'll leave the keys somewhere. Um, but he has not messaged me. So maybe he, maybe he didn't go and maybe I won't get my car, in which case I will have to, uh, use my partner's car to go to work tomorrow, which is my not favorite thing to do, but she's wonderful and lets me use her car sometimes. And she's making faces at me in the corner of the room right now. <laughs> what, what don't um, you like about it? It's just, I would like my car to okay, fucking work. Yeah. Plus I'm, I'm so I'm, I have to go into the city to like do my uh, site walks tomorrow. So like I'm, I have to bounce from site to site. Um, it's not, it's not a huge deal, but again, I was pretty clear with the tuner, like, Hey, I need my car to go to my job on Monday. So, you know, if y'all could, um, and the car starts and like, it does run poorly, but it runs. And so it's like, why did, why? Yeah. I told you I needed the car. Like, what do you all, and he's like, we're messaging after the shop is closed. He's messaging with me, telling me kind of what he found and everything. And I tried to get a hold of him before they closed, you know, an hour beforehand. I was like, all right, cool. Well, you know, leave the keys somewhere, or whatever. And then, you know, half hour goes by and he goes, oh, we left. And, uh, you know, I didn't leave the keys out. And it's like, dude, I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fuck, man. <laughs> so um, I will say, you know, I there is this pattern of like, I go to some of these performance shops and I swear to God, they just like, don't listen to me or something. It's like, dude, yeah, I need the car to get to work. So if you don't fix it, like, cool, I'm going to drive a shitty running car to work. That's, that's real life, dude. (laughs) Now this is like a, this is a Supra shop. So basically everybody who goes there pretty much has obnoxious amounts of disposable income. I would think, uh, so I'm pretty sure they're used to like people who don't need to get their car to work. So I'm like, yeah, but sorry, I'm a working class person. I, I would like to have my car get, to get to work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, wasn't uh, wasn't super pleased about that. Maybe I'll pick it up tonight if somehow this tuner is not going to watch the Super Bowl and is instead <laughs> going to go to his job <laughs> uh, on a Sunday. So, um, yeah, I'm not super optimistic about it, but it's kind of like, hey, come on really would have been cool if I could have gotten my car. Um, so that's a whole thing, but yeah, they, uh, they fucked around with it. Didn't couldn't figure out what was mm. wrong the whole time. Just it's a fucking mystery. It's, it's doing this, that goofy revving shit again. Um, so it's like <sighs> it's a lot of troubleshooting. I spent a lot of money to be driving a shit box is basically <laughs> what it comes to. I, I, I can't help but be like, you know, I hope people listen to my horror story, like who've been listening to this podcast for pretty much the entire time this podcast has existed. My car was like, all right, it's going to the shop. We're going to start this rebuild. <laughs> and then the whole show happens. And uh, yeah, my car still runs like shit. So I spent 
an ungodly amount of money. I put every new part in there possible to make sure that everything was going to work right. And uh, it does not work. right. (laughs) So very unfun. Um, And yeah, the guy was telling me, he's like, well, uh, you know, maybe it could be the new engine sensors or something. I was like, yeah, I suppose it could be cam sensors or crank sensor or something. But it's like, have you looked at the data? Because no, that, that's a common issue that shops deal with all the time. They're usually able to figure out if it's a cam sensor, you can look at the data and be like, oh, that you know what? That looks like maybe a cam sensor. It's like, let's try that. But no one's finding anything. Um, it's just doing goofy shit. Now he says, I, it sounds like it's running worse than when it went into the tuner. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he's like, oh, yeah, it's doing this. Uh, it's doing the negative timing thing again, which um, so one of the tunes that was really bad was um, the car would be like fine above 2000 RPM. But right at 2000 RPM, it would the timing would go from like advanced, however many degrees to like negative four degrees done. And it would just be like so you'd go up real under 2000 RPM. You, it drives like shit and whatever, but like it'll go up to speed and then all of a sudden it'll go it'll like feel like just the car like clunks and then fucking rockets away. It's like, and there's no, and there's no way you like, you can be as gentle on the pedal as you want. It's like, but it'll just be like, and it just like fucking revs up. Like you're taking off and it's like, what the fuck? So you're trying to drive. And if you're like behind somebody, like you gotta be real careful. Cause you're like, if you come up to 2000 RPM, boom, it's going to be 2,500 real quick. <laughs> So, I, so. <laughs> your description of it just clunks and then just flies away. Uh, it's you're really close to what uh, it's like driving my vehicles and just remove the it flies away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's not right. It's he said it was dying on the dyno too. He's like, oh, I fixed a vacuum leak and now it dies on the dyno. And it's like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> so you <laughs> really needed that so. vacuum leak. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so nobody knows what the issue is. I feel really bad because I'm just like, I feel like I've spent a lot of money and done a lot of work to make sure that this wouldn't happen. And it totally happened. And it's like, okay, I really hope I didn't like ruin the car and just like oh you know what i took a working car and made it not work <laughs> paid a lot of money in between but yeah so he was talking he was like oh you know maybe it's these sensors or whatever i was like all right cool yeah i guess we could look into that maybe um even though they're literally brand new again that could be an issue you know they're like o'reilly sensors that you know sometimes those things are bad you know so could be that or he was saying oh you know the uh the guy, one of the guys at the uh, tuning software uh, manufacturer says that, oh, some of the O3s just have bad computers and they're just like the ECUs are bad. And I'm like, he's like, so maybe we might have to we might have to uh, put a different ECU in there, put a base map on it, tune it. And I was like, oh, my fucking God, dude, D- dude, come on now. I mean, look, if that's what I got to do, that's what I got to do. But I'm like, dude. I don't want to pay fucking like four grand for fucking tuning here. This is to make a little over 300 horsepower. <laughs> I'm like, come on, come on. This is, uh, so it's, it's been a problem. So who knows? We might put a, an O four computer in there and re 
tune that, but I'd have to get a new fucking tuning license and all that shit. Like I'd have to pay all this money to like redo shit that I already have done. Yeah. So not fucking happy about it, but that sounds like some bullshit is. Yeah, it's been a whole thing. So, um, it's been four times to the tuner and, uh, it's definitely going to be five at least. So yeah, that's, that's how my thing's going. And then of course the Camaro's just, luckily it has a parking spot where it's fine and nobody's bothering me about it. So that's pretty cool. That's, that's great. But yeah, that's going to have to be dealt with too. Oh, I'm going to have to start like, like finally taking things to my shop and not having them parked on the street because I am like half of the street parking on my side of the street now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, Connor, if I was, if I really wanted to be a boomer, this is where I would say you should just put a Chevy 350 with carburetor and uh, distributor in there. (laughs) I'm not a boomer. I mean, it almost. It might I wasn't not saying even... anything about about you. Brandon. I know, but that's just my solution to everything. <laughs> I almost wonder if I could like hook up some fake data to the existing ECU so I could pass emissions, and then yeah, maybe put a carbureted 350 in there and call it a you day. You don't need a carbureted 350. There are LSs that work perfectly fine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, I mean, it would still be a 350Z yeah, though. It would just be cubic inches, not CCs. A ton of people, a ton of people do LS. Okay, them. I, I have seen, I have seen them at the drift track, and they are cool. But I was hoping was, to have uh, a V6 one that was cool. Yeah, there was that one. I think it was like someone from Donut Media did a turbo K swap on one that I thought was pretty cool. Um trying to think they've done they've done a whole bunch of shit i know they're turboing a couple 350s and they're doing all kinds of shit but yeah also turbo k swaps are becoming right now i don't don't know if i've seen any on uh 350s but definitely on 240s yeah and and mr2s and all kinds of shit you know yeah there's that one uh second gen mr2 with a giant turbo k swap or maybe it's a twin turbo even but it does like eight second quarter miles or something. It'll it'll pick the front nice. tires up and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, that's that's all I got. My uh, my uh, car stuff can just continues to be a nightmare, and I'm a little depressed about it. Same. <laughs> I I finally uh, lined up my next project for when everything I have is buttoned up. Yeah. I am going to take one of my early Chevys that is from the junkyard and I had decided already was never going to be worth saving and I'm going to save it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. Uh, No, it's it's like I can fix her, but with cars. No, I mean, I'm not like normally when I think can save or can't save, it's like I can get it to looking like it is supposed to and should or I can't. No, I'm just going to take a shit heap and I'm going to like cut it off the frame, do a custom frame, independent front suspension, fuck, maybe independent rear suspension, LS swap, airbags. Nice. Thousands of man hours into something that's not worth fuck. Just see what happens. (laughs) Oh, you could always do like a hat car. It seems cool. You know, like where you take the, the lower part of a unibody car, just like cut the top off. And then like weld 
weld it to the bottom of another car. You know what I'm talking about? Nope. Um, I've, I've seen unibody cars just straight up welded to a full frame. And I mean, this is basically a way of doing a body swap on a unibody car. So basically you cut it at the bottom, wh- wherever that arbitrary point is. And you like brace everything like with some square tubing or whatever. So it doesn't flex. And then you take the top of one car and the bottom of the other, the chassis basically, and weld them together. And I've seen them. I've seen people do it a lot with like, um, like old British cars and Miata chassis and stuff. Hmm. You know, I could see that. Well, when, when I, when we did the back half job on, on my drag van, once we stopped chasing the bad work and just started over from scratch, I had the realization like, not to be a dick, but this shit's kind of easy. Like, <laughs> not easy, easy, but it's well within my skill set to do like custom yeah. fabrication like this. So I'm just maybe going to do it. Nice. And, but m- mostly like because I already have everything in the world to do it with. I will be buying like very little. And it'll all be like kits and tubing instead of like a car to start with. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might have mentioned it last time we recorded, but I really want to make a electric bicycle with one of those kits, you know, with the like the rear hub motor or whatever. I think that's going to be my next project. Yeah, dude, do it. Follow your dreams. That, that'll yeah, be a little cool. bit simpler than fabricating an entire van chassis. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I had a friend who was just like, you absolutely cannot do that. And so I was just like, all right, I'm sold doing it. <laughs> doing it out of spite. Nice. His, his, his reasoning was that like, he thought that I was trying to go for like high end performance. And he's like, I don't think you have the grasp on like high end performance, like geometry, like fa- like that sort of level of fabrication. And I'm like, oh, you're correct. But I'm also not trying to like, do like 200 miles an hour through a fucking on a bank track in this slammed early van. Right. <laughs> but I am oh. going to try and cram air conditioning into it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh yeah. Good. It'll be like the first car I've owned since I was like 19 that had air conditioning. You know, Connor, something you said reminded me that I think we're, we're at around or a little past a year that we've been podcasting. I forget when we published our first episode. Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly, but we're we're around that oh, point. Shit. So, uh, yeah, I just didn't notice because uh, anniversaries are a bourgeois av- affectation. Right. I think <laughs> we'll we'll have officially. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I think we'll be official when we get to a hundred episodes. That's when we can say that we are actually sticking it out, but. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I also don't know. I, I don't know that we could verify um, the year at this point now that we've lost change right. hosting services. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, that was a whole debacle, which, by the way, you know, um, it, it's kind of funny. I don't know if uh, if we have more than 30 listeners or not, but like, I think the new hosting service says we have like 30 yeah. listeners. And I was well, like, I think Ooh. it's it's between like 30 <laughs> and 200 something. <laughs> I'm never quite sure how to like parse the the stats on there. Yeah, I, I think I think all these hosting services are kind of just like it's whatever. <laughs> yeah. Here's a number. 
You'll believe that, yeah, right? I don't know. Thirty <laughs> sounds right to me. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do know that it, that some people listen because we do actually get comments on our social media occasionally. Well, just so, just yeah. visualize the Venn diagram of leftists and car people, and <laughs> tell me that that number's higher than thirty, right? <laughs> uh. Um. Oh. Anyway, on that note, uh, probably time to start some news. Yeah, uh, do you guys want to take a quick break here? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, we're doing the news now. We should we should really have a sound effect for this. Maybe we can put in that uh, that clip of Connor going beep 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 or whatever. <laughs> beep 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 like beep, a, beep, beep, beep like a telegraph beep, machine. Breaking news. That's that's the part of the show we're at. We're at the breaking news part. This is Cars and Comrades with with your car news updates. It's the breaking news noise. So I wanted to talk about a, a couple things with the Canadian trucker protest convoy, whatever you're calling it. Um, like I said, other people have kind of covered this more in depth. Um, and this might be, you know, a little bit late. Like, who knows? It might be completely over by the time this comes out. But, I fucking uh, hope so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I did want to talk about a couple things that maybe have been missed on um you know other podcasts uh if you do want a more in-depth you know look at it the QAnon anonymous podcast has done a a good job of covering that um i don't know a couple weeks ago at the time of recording and um and also believe it or not the the latest uh chapo trap house um they had a dan beckner on to talk about it and uh they did a pretty good job but uh there's a couple things since then there's a good. Th- and could you also give us a just a, a basic like what yeah. the fuck? Because I really i've I've known about it, but I'm like I'm trying not to look too deep into it. I'm just like ah, you know. It looks I mean, stupid. the long and short of it is that there are a bunch of conservatives who are angry at Trudeau and angry at mask mandates and vaccine mandates, and they okay. they kind of coalesced around. Uh, these truckers who are angry that they can't cross the border into the U.S. without a vaccine. And the funny thing is that this isn't really coming down from the Trudeau government. It's really more to do with the American, you know, border authority saying. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, that sounds like the U.S. (laughs) is blocking them. And so they're going to go bother Canadians with their protest about. So it's a lot of misplaced anger over something that's stupid (laughs) and uh, and doesn't really affect that many Canadian truckers. Anyways, um, you know, other people have pointed out uh, that this is really mostly just like owner operators. So petite bourgeois people that own their own trucks. Uh, and a bunch of, you know, just random chuds who have kind of glommed on to this this movement, I guess you want to call it. So I a, a good source to read about this is um, The Passage. It's a like a left wing Canadian publication and their headline. The trucker convoy is not a workers revolt. 
So if anyone's telling you that this is like a working class movement, no, it's not. It's his petite bourgeois. I keep seeing people alluding to the fact that there are people on the left saying that. And I'm like, what do you, I haven't seen it yet. I'm like, this is so clearly you're like, dude, this is just a bunch of fascists being upset about vaccines because I don't know, insert anti-Semitic conspiracy theory here. So my, like, my theory on that, because I'm having a similar experience is I, I'm guessing that there's just like a lot of like well-known or semi-well-known uh, shitty leftists with no grasp on leftism. Like really? that yeah. just sort of latch on to stuff maybe. And I, yeah. I don't know them because I, I largely stay out of, of that. I, like I'm not heavily online. I'm unfortunately <laughs> online a lot, but um, uh, I, I almost wonder, I'm like, is this just like AstroTurf to a certain extent where they're like, Oh, there's people on the left who think this there's people on the, and everyone on the left. I keep seeing is like, who the fuck's saying yeah. this? Show me who, where is this happening? You know, is this like the CIA and their little, Oh, there's other leftists who are saying this. And it's like, I don't, are there, <laughs> I, I don't see. Hey, it. Hey, that maybe I that anarchist right. just called you a bitch over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those authoritarian leftists think these fascists are on your side. <laughs> Do, I, do we really feel like it's uh, accurate we, to call owner operators petite bourgeois, though? You, you said that I was going I, to look. I, I would say that, but I don't know. No. If you, yes and yeah. no. It depends. It depends. Uh, so, look, the kinds of people who have, you know, yeah, you've got three weeks to take off of work to go and drive across the country and do all this. To a certain extent, you're doing OK. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, we've seen people who do protest on the left who have some time to take off work usually very different circumstances but like they're protesting on bullshit um they're cosplaying like they're freedom fighters or some shit they're 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 pretending like children you know they're playing you know we're the we're the freedom fighters and you're like okay y'all are whenever you're done playing dress up please like leave <laughs> people alone but it is tough to be an owner operator i i don't know as much about like big rigs and stuff, but like it's a, uh, it's a whole thing. You know, I would be, it's a tough job. It's, it's difficult and they're not really they, Yeah. So technically they own their own business in a way and they own their truck. So they kind of own the means of production, but like at the end of the day, they need someone to dispatch them. They need to get these loads and they're just at the whims of the market. Yeah. Um, in a way that is just like, it is, they're they're workers in a lot of ways where you're like yeah they own their truck the same way a mechanic owns their fucking tools. okay i was actually like, gonna make that exact comparison because it's worth noting that like one uh y like yes literally that but historically like when you think of a lot of the like outlaw trucker shit from like the 70s and 80s and and that sort of aesthetic um those people owned their own trucks and were usually not contracted to a larger company they went through third parties that would like their role was to connect drivers and loads going from point A to point B, whatever. Um, the modern tale of the owner operator is a bit different because nowadays it's mostly like you're basically a contractor. So very much in, in the vein of the mechanic or construction worker who owns his own toolbox and tools or, or Uber. Yes. It's a lot like Uber. You own your car, but like, you're not making any money without yeah. Uber. They are the ones connecting you to your yeah. work. 
And it's the same with owner operators. It's like, sometimes it's like, yeah, you have the option to be like, I don't want to take this load or I do want to take this load. Or like, you have to like, is this load good enough money or not or whatever. But at the same time, the dispatcher might just be like, look, this, this is what you got on the table. Like that I would take it. Uh, and most of the time they're probably just taking also bucks. worth mentioning is that the modern owner operator is basically like working for, like they, they lease themselves to a specific company and that company has their boot on their throat. There yeah. are limitations on how old your truck can be on how many miles your truck can have on it. Um, they control things very tightly. And a lot of times it ends up being a scam where like uh, Werner, for example, will buy trucks in bulk so they get a really good price. They maintain them very well and then sell them after a relatively short time in service. So they basically, because they're well known for maintaining their fleet well, and they're getting these trucks at such a steep discount, once they sell them, they're basically breaking even on the truck. So a lot of times what they will do is they will sell that truck to, say, an owner-operator. And the deal is like, oh, you know, you come drive for Werner as a, a contractor and we will sell you this truck. And then every week we just take the truck payment right out of the pay for all the work that you did for us. And then roughly around the time that the truck is paid off and that owner operator is actually ready to start making some real money. Uh, suddenly their truck is too old for the Werner fleet or has too many miles for the fleet. Uh, and they're forced to upgrade to a newer truck, which they will buy from Werner. And I think you see where this cycle goes. Yeah. A lot of owner operators do get trapped in a cycle of never actually making any of the money that you expect to make as an owner operator because they're constantly buried in cost. Yeah. And I guess when I say petite bourgeois, I, it's emphasis on the petite. I mean, it's 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 kind of they literally do own the means of, of production in a sense yeah. for themselves. Yeah. So yes, I still feel like it's slightly misleading since they're also working for someone else. Right. I think I think that there's um, I think there's been a bit of a shift. Like there was a point at which petite bourgeois was like, okay, here's your class interests were pretty clear. They in this case they aren't as clear because a lot of these petite bourgeois are still at the whims of larger corporate conglomerates, right? So like there's the appearance of owning the means of production, but you don't control them. Right. Like you're like, you pay for them, but without the control. Yeah. It, it I, reminds me a lot of yeah. um, what 7-Eleven does with a lot of their franchise owners, you know, who yep. by and large are like immigrants who like work at the stores, you know, sometimes 12 yeah. hours a day or whatever. So like, you know, and they, and they basically tell them, you know, here's the inventory that you're going to carry. Here's the price that you're going to, you know, set for it. Here's what you're going to buy it for. Here's what you're going to sell it for. And, you know, really own their whole business without owning it. You know, the, the corporate office does. Um, yeah. So there's, I think there's been clever ways to, do things on paper, but then in reality, it's not nearly what it appears. So like, yeah, it's, it's a complex issue. Um, now most owner operators in terms of truck drivers are fucking reactionary as shit. And there's all manner of reasons for that. Most, most people in general are reactionary. So that's a, that's a thing. There's a certain there, there's, 
it, it is pretty bad with truckers, but like they are exploited workers right. that are uh, misplace their anger usually. And many of them are just outright fascists and they're just un unrehabilitatable. I can't. All right. You know what I'm trying to say. You can't Unrehabilitatable. Rehabilitable. What? Yeah. Yeah. They cannot be rehabilitated. And, you know, I think like this is kind of just how we all are under neoliberalism. Like it's really just trying to turn everyone into a contractor and and misclassify workers and everything. Um, and also, like this article from uh, Passage, it points out that up until the 80s, uh, trucking was heavily unionized and more of a regulated industry. And then it started this whole neoliberal reform, in quotes. To... Define regulated, because there are a lot of tr- avenues where that is wildly untrue. Yeah, well, maybe they're talking about the Canadian trucking uh, regulations. I don't know how it compares to the U.S. in the 80s. I don't know. They're they're talking about how it was, you know, de-unionized. It was at least unionized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was unionized. Yeah. There, there, so, that was so like that, you know, whether you were a union trucker or not back then, still the union would, you know, have like upward pressure on wages and that sort of thing. Maybe it wasn't 100% great, but um, the other thing that this uh, article article points out is that a lot of, well, between 80 and 90% of Canadian truckers are already vaccinated against COVID-19. So this is the 10 to 20% that are just still angry about this shit. And a lot of Canadian truckers are immigrants who are just workers. They're not owner operators at all. So this is a, a small minority that is really causing a big stake. Owner operators are a minority of truck drivers, and these assholes are a minority of owner operators. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. The other thing is... Um, I feel like we're really coming in soft on these assholes. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, just wait. Uh, it turns out they're all fascists, or at least the leaders are. At this point, I'm going to add in the background. If anyone who hasn't heard us talk about it before, Connor and I used to both drive. So we are somewhat familiar with the intricacies and ins and outs of like over the road trucking. Yeah. And I know someone that drives for Warner. I might ask him about this kind of thing. As far as I I know, he's not he's not doing the the payment thing or whatever you're talking about. uh, That's just uh, they're like. They have a specific term for it, I believe, but they're just yeah. owner operators contracted to Warner. I, I drove for Warner briefly. Right. Okay. I quit. That was one of my most spectacular quittings, I believe. <laughs> nice. We'll have to hear that story nice. someday. It's it's it, the the short version is very quick. Uh, I was very upset with the trainer that they had put me on a truck with. So while he was in the bathroom, I packed my bags and left and hitchhiked away. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yes. Nice. Yeah, that is sweet. <laughs> and uh, and uh, hold yeah. on, I gotta ask. Somebody picked you up when you were hitchhiking. <laughs> um, that I was really sly. I had my Werner badge, so I made myself like a little sign, <laughs> and I I pop, popped a squat in the truck stop, and just sat outside with my badge clipped to my cardboard sign that says I'm qu- I quit Werner and I'm stranded. And <laughs> uh, people 
are are well like truck drivers are well versed enough in what a shitty company Werner is to drive for that uh I mean they're all almost all, so I'm in a leftist trucker group and they're all they're all fair <laughs> enough they're just like yeah here's they're all training traps and shit yeah. and like it's it's a whole thing but yeah, yeah. So, other truck drivers will generally understand that kind of shit um yeah so uh, uh, uh I actually like when I say I hitchhiked away, I slept under a bridge that night and let the guy clear out and get out of Dodge. Because uh, at this point, I was like Pete Crust Punk. So this was not even like my first foray into sleeping under bridges. So this this was all perfectly fine for me. I had everything I needed. Uh, so then the next morning, I just hung out for... I think I was probably there for five or six hours. And one dude had seen me sitting there and he said, you know, by the third time I passed you, I, was, I, I felt for you. And from where I was at, I was only trying to get like 150 miles or less, maybe 100 miles to get to a town where some friends lived. And yeah, yeah, I just made an adventure out of it. I was like 25. It was easy to do back then. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Did you get another trucking job after that or was that it for? No, no, I got, I got another job after that. Nice. Let's see. Where was I? Yeah, so basically all the leaders of this movement are fascists and white supremacists. Uh, uh, they suck. Uh, I forget the guy's name, but one of them, one of the leaders, uh, there's a recording of him saying that the the white Anglo-Saxon race is the superior one. So, cool guy. Re- yeah, re- I'd love to have a beer with that guy. <laughs> Let's see. And then one thing i thought was funny is um so they're they're kind of camped out in downtown ottawa right now and a lot of people are really pissed about about this you know the people that live in the neighborhood because they they're honking their horns and keeping people up at night so uh a lot of leftist people have snuck into their like group chats and they start playing this song uh ram ranch which is (laughs) (laughs) which is uh according to this uh, rolling stone headline a porno metal song about gay cowboys (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah it's the unofficial anthem of leftist trolling (laughs) it has uh lyrics such as 18 naked cowboys in the showers at ram ranch (laughs) yes i also read the lyrics for that and it is something yeah so <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. That's sweet. Um That's also great. uh Mike Lindell is sending them free pillows. So they'll they'll be able to get a good night's sleep there. <laughs> At least now they'll have something to shit in. <laughs> um oh I forgot to say the uh the serfs, the Canadian leftist YouTubers, they went to a protest in Vancouver and filmed some people acting pretty goofy and stupid. Uh, it's pretty funny. Um, and then I had a couple threads on Twitter. Um, someone named Sunil Sarwal uh, just does a good job of breaking down how the police aren't really doing anything to stop this because, big surprise, the, the police in Canada are set up to maintain the status quo. And these people are all white. You know, it's a settler colonial uh, state, just like the U.S., and um, so Wait, they're I don't not know Canada was some sort of social Democrat uh, utopia. Why, why would their police be bad? Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, there's also the, uh, the first nations people protesting their, um, 
how they want to build a uh, a pipeline through their uh, their reservation or reserve. I forget what they call things there. Um, and they're being dealt with a lot more violently than these uh, these white people. So yeah, oh, really, a l- little bit of a double standard there. Huh? Yeah, unimaginable. I I really would have thought that they would uh, give the uh, same reverence to indigenous people than these uh, white Anglo-Saxon. Uh, cream of the crop. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, I'm sure if I had a picture uh, of that guy in front of me, I would really see peak humanity just staring back at me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you can watch that that video that the surfs did. Uh, I'm not sh- going to do that. <laughs> yeah. It just you know suffice it to say, like these people are are just as bad as you know the January six protesters or whatever you want to call them or it's it's a yeah it's a it's a fascist temper tantrum and and i do think uh, to to be kind of a downer i i do actually just feel like this is growing fascist power this is them organizing events and like oh we can meet in real life oh we can show our faces while we wave swastika flags like yeah look at we can look at what, what happens when we come together and like decide to just be fascists in public um and i i yeah it looks stupid and silly but like it's it's working for them that part of like fascist movements is like getting people willing to look stupid and silly in public like that is a that's a big part of it is like getting people to lie right to say things that they just that they simultaneously understand are lies and untrue, but they will repeat them as if they are true and somehow convince themselves that it's true. Like with the QAnon conspiracies and stuff and the, Oh, it's whatever 5g microchips in the vaccine and whatever. It's like when they convince themselves of this, they partially understand that it's a lie and they will continue to repeat it because they understand that the power is in the lie. It's not, well, and and because you know. it's easier than like confronting the history of settler colonialism, or you know how yeah. how capitalism grinds us all into dust. You know, you don't want to think about those things because yeah. they're difficult. So you go with this fairy tale that is easier to digest and doesn't challenge your basic assumptions about the country that you live in. Ac- actually, and to that point, um, I, I was thinking this the other day. Um, and I've heard this from like motivational speakers, apologists for capitalism and stuff that they'll kind of come with this. Oh, it's hard to take personal responsibility for things, right? The conservatives love that. It's so hard to take personal responsibilities for your failings. Oh, if you don't make enough money, get a new job or whatever the fuck they, you know, they're bullshit. It's all about personal responsibility. And I actually think that that's the easy way out because it's like, yeah, it's really easy to be like, Oh, you know what? Yeah. That person should just get a different job. Yeah, everyone should. Oh, everyone should get another job. Don't ask me how that would work on the large scale because I can't deal with that question. Just, oh, get a different job. They can't deal with issues that are systemic because it's actually really difficult to be a leftist and admit, oh, I can't just like go out and do something myself that will fix things. Like I have to organize with people and it's probably going to fail is a really shitty thing to come to terms with. Like. I can only play a small part. I can't be the main character. That's really hard. And so when you have this population of 
people who have been coddled in every way and told, oh, you're the victim. Oh, the poor white man. Oh, it's just so hard for you. And oh, you know, all these people, they just don't want to take personal responsibility. But you do. You're special. You're the one who's so good at that. So like, that's how you get movements. I I recently heard a quote that really fits here. And it was so good that I really thought it must have been attributed to some historical civil rights or leftist later. And it was someone contemporary. And I'm reluctant to say, but it might have even been like a celebrity or something. And it was uh, when I'm I'm not going to nail it verbatim, but it's uh, when you're used to privilege, equality looks like oppression. Yeah. And and that's what you're describing here. Uh, These people have been are so used to being put on a pedestal to some degree or like all wealth being equal, it's a little bit easier for them. And when you try and level the playing field, they're like, well, wait a second. My level was a little bit higher. And now you're trying to level this out. Like, no, no, that doesn't work for me. Now it's, now it's no easier for me than it is for everyone else. Well, and so those same people who have been privileged, they use the personal responsibility that they think that they're responsible for their position. They think that their actions put them on that pedestal, not a systemic fucking, you know, a, a way that the system was put together to benefit them. They So they would rather believe the myth that, oh, I did this myself because I'm a special snowflake and I'm daddy's <laughs> special little boy or whatever the fuck they think. Uh, it's like, it's exactly what, uh, like Michael Parenti talks about this, the myths of empire and like, this is the, the pathology of like wealth where you convince yourself that you earned every bit of it. Just like Elon Musk is a perfect example. I earned all this, not, not I was set up to fucking win in every way. And people had to be ground into dust for me to achieve this. Like, wait, 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 wait. achieve what? (laughs) A high stock price. Um, So yeah, I think that's, these truckers are just a smaller version of that that's where they're coming from I yeah think. and and i f- i forget the name of this book but there's a guy who uh went to germany right after world war ii and interviewed a lot of people just ordinary people that were in the nazi party who were like early supporters of the nazi party and they were all in the same demographic of like mostly like you know 30 to 50 year old, uh, downward, downwardly mobile, like middle class, small business owners, you know, all these people that had some kind of privilege and then maybe lost it in the Great Depression or in World War One or whatever, and were fucking pissed about it. But they displaced their anger towards Jewish people or gypsies or communists or whatever, rather than, you know, the real looking at the systemic failures of Germany in that time period, you know, that just reminds me of the countless leftist memes I've seen where it's a quote from somebody that's like, I hate Castro or I hate Mao or I hate any particular communist revolutionary leader because they took all of my family's slaves away from us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's why Uh, I think communism is bad. (laughs) Okay. I got one more uh, Twitter thread about this and then uh, we're done talking about, or I hope that we're done talking about these, these assholes. Real real quick. uh, As I said, before we started recording, I'm actually woefully uh, uh, like underinformed on this topic. I have been too busy 
and this has been too stupid for me to want to waste my time on it. <laughs> what is, can you give me a quick rundown of what the fuck is even going on? Like what they just drove across Vac- Canada vaccines because mad. So they vaccine? can't cross. So a lot of the loads from Canada, there's not as much logistics, you know, inside of Canada. A lot of stuff is coming from Ottawa or wherever over the border into the U.S. to go to whatever large industry in a lot of cases like around Michigan. So which I think Ottawa's near yeah. there right over the border is like Detroit. Yeah. And so they're supplying car parts and stuff. Okay. So they have a lot of their loads go across the border. And generally speaking, if my understanding is correct, most jobs that cross an international border pay better. So like it is a fucking nightmare because, and you have to have special clearances and shit. Yeah. Yes. And they do pay for all of that. So a lot of people who like if you live in Ottawa or something, you want to take loads over that border. Easy peasy fucking. That's the month. That's where the money's at. It's like when you have a Canadian girlfriend, all your loads go across the border. <laughs> <laughs> God, <laughs> Jesus. Whoa. All right. <laughs> you kept saying it and I had to um, make a joke. Damn it. <laughs> yeah that's, that's fair that's fair you can edit that out if you want i don't give a fuck no no we're leaving it in <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that's where the money's at but i guess because some of these idiot anti-vaxxers who don't want to get vaccinated they'll have to like be vaccinated to cross the border right but if they're not vaccinated they can't do it so now they're not able to make that good money or they're not as able to get as many loads or whatever f- for anything over the border. And so they're mad. So in- their solution is, of course, this big movement where they cosplay freedom fighters or whatever, instead of just like going to get a, a shot like a fucking child, you know, because, again, this is what you would expect. This is the response. If like a four year old had independence from their parents and you're like, oh, that you should go get this shot at the doctor. And they're like, no, I'm never going to get a shot. And you're just like, please just. They put the needle in your... It's like, it's... it's Again, children do it. It's not bad. Um, but these people are... They've been lied to, and they just gobbled up the lie because it was like... I don't know. They can hate Jewish people or Bill Gates or somebody or whatever. And so... Yeah. They, they somehow believe that everyone who got the vaccine is... Uh, dead <laughs> or a zombie or a beta male or whatever... I, I don't know. It's it's just anti-vax nonsense. So the same anti-vax shit you see here in the States, seeing it there too. That's yeah. all it is. And I, I forget who it was, but someone was saying that, you know, just imagine what the right wing in America would be like if Obama never left office. Like if Obama <laughs> was still president, that's basically how they're feeling, you know, because it's been a liberal government since I don't know how long there. And to answer some of your question, uh, Brandon, like some of the tactics that they're using is they have these protests in major cities like, you know, from Vancouver to Ottawa and everything in between and, you know, have as many trucks as they can to sort of block traffic. Um, in Ottawa, they're actually camping out downtown and trying to like occupy the parliament uh, area, even though parliament isn't in session right now. So it's like if they were trying to do January 6th when Congress was out of session or something. And they also briefly occupied the Ambassador Bridge that goes between 
Detroit and Windsor, Ontario. Um, as far as I know, just yesterday, they, they got that cleared off. The cops kind of very gently pushed them off the bridge, not off into the water, you know, just back into the Canadian side. They so, the <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really stupid, but they are actually finding that they're being effective just because the police being, you know, a tool of settled colonialism isn't pushing back at him. And, and one of the things that they did, uh, this guy, uh, Matias Munoz, uh, posted about how they tried to burn down his apartment building. So he lives in downtown Ottawa and, of course, the people that live there are fucking pissed at these uh, protesters. And the protesters were like, well, if you're pissed about it, we're going to burn down your building. So two people at 5 a.m. got into the lobby of his building and tried to start a fire and then duct taped the front doors shut. Jesus. And it was all caught on security footage. <laughs> but and none of them were wearing masks, obviously. Correct. And as <laughs> So uh, a good Samaritan passing by uh, saw the fire, uh, was able to open the door with some struggle, got in and was used, able to use a fire extinguisher. So like it didn't end up, you know, causing any, any uh, long-term problems, but still it's, it's a little bit scary. And as far as I can tell, there's nothing in this thread about the police actually doing anything to catch these people. So look, I'm just saying, it is always acceptable if you can. I get you can't always because they're violent and dangerous. But if you can, it is always okay to punch fascists or if you think you can get away with it. But you know, in whatever, in whatever thing that I have to say to not go to jail for that. May but, I yeah. offer up if if we have any Canadian listeners who are having to deal with this, I offer up a very simple, very helpful tool that is not punching fascists. On a tractor trailer, the only thing that holds a trailer on, it's called the kingpin. And all you have to do is pull the handle next to the fifth wheel plate. And you can Google all these terms. It's really straightforward. You pull that handle. And if someone's not double checking, there's a really good chance that when they drive away, their trailer is going to stay right where it's at. Nice. Or there's a better chance, actually, that they will pull away... And then once they have enough momentum, then the trailer will suddenly separate. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of them were just driving the, the tractors in without the trailers, but... Oh, fuck them. Yeah. Ruined my plan. Um, or they were just driving their F-350s in because, you know, <laughs> yeah. they don't actually have a truck. They just, But they just really wanted to be a part of the fascist rally. Yeah. Or their F three hundred and fifty gets one mile per gallon better, so they're more easily able to afford <laughs> driving across the country. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I hate these people so much. I just they, everything I learn about you know these fascist motherfuckers. I'm just like, oh my god, why is it? I don't know. I want there to be something that can be done about it, but you're like, well, what can you do? Yep, die inside. <laughs> so uh i don't know what our plan is exactly but i kind of wanted to talk about a couple labor things and then maybe we can shit on elon musk uh do you think we have time for yeah. that yeah 
My favorite things yeah, are labor so. things and shitting on Elon Musk with you guys. Okay. <laughs> so I guess good news out of Mexico. A lot of auto workers um, were fed up with the union that they had that were, they felt was not representing them and decided to form a, u- a new union. This is uh, at a GM factory in Silao. They formed a new independent union called uh, Cintia. It was a it was a landslide with seventy eight percent of the vote, eighty eight percent turnout. Damn, oh, yeah that that original union had to suck <laughs> so bad. Yeah, uh, and basically, like they were accusing it of a lot of the things that the the drum workers were accusing the UAW of in the sixties and seventies. You know, basically being chummy with uh, management. So yeah, uh, hopefully this will get. Mexican workers a uh, a better deal than they were getting, um, you know the yeah I think yeah I think one of the uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this in our turn left series or whatever but like one of the things that I think U.S. unions need to understand is that unions in the rest of the world have to be doing good too and so they have to support international unionization efforts because like the reason you know a lot of these you know companies go to like mexico is because they can afford to uh exploit the workers there more and it's like well if they had better working conditions and unions and labor legislation that wouldn't be so easy and you could do that pretty much everywhere in the world which is where that needs to happen so that companies can't just keep running to better labor markets you know we we can't we don't want to be in a situation like we are where it's like they can just threaten workers and be like, oh, we'll go to Malaysia or whatever. It's like, well, workers in Malaysia should have rights too. Like, we need to work on that. Um, and I, obviously that's easier said than done, of course. You know, it's, it's we're always, we never have the resources and whatever, but like we need to, there needs to be more effort in that, yeah. I think. And of course, you know, because we have nation states set up where uh, capital can move across borders easily, but people cannot so yep yeah i mean there's a there's also a pretty good new york times article just about the the terrible conditions uh in the factories and the low pay that are really just trapping people in poverty rather than what they were promised to which would you know be to industrialize mexico and provide a better standard of living than uh farming which was you know what it was uh mostly previously yeah, it's amazing. They've been saying that for decades, <laughs> yeah. and you're just like, "Oh, wow! Did they, do, oh really? Do you think General Motors just wanted to bring a better standard of living to Mexican people? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, think I gotta come on. These companies don't. They, I don't know. People believe it somehow. They believe that oh, GM just wanted Mexicans to have a better standard of living. It's like no. Who believes that? I feel like even reactionaries can acknowledge that it's just for cheaper labor. I mean, they will until you until they see where you're taking that. So, like, if you use that as a premise in an argument, then they'll be like, well, wait a minute. Hold on. Would you rather they didn't go there and give them a better standard of living? Like, they'll they'll turn back on it. Don't like they'll, they might acknowledge it at one point. But as soon as they realize that you're pointing out that it's like an actual problem of capitalism, they'll 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 double back and go. They'll change their tune real quick. I don't disagree, but I do feel like I used to hear even the most reactionary of reactionaries 
arguing against that point just because at that point, like, that's that's peak, like, made in America kind of shit. Like, yeah, I don't know. Well, good. Good for them. Yeah, they're 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 starting their second union when when some people are still struggling with their first. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And near as I can tell, a lot of it was basically through a loophole in NAFTA that allowed them to form independent unions. So hmm. they're kind of, hmm. you know, using using those tools against uh, the ones that wrote them. So or, wait a minute. So I guess I guess I, I shouldn't ask too much about like, what is this? Because I'm like, wait, they couldn't start independent unions without that or whatever. You know, or? I'm not entirely sure if I understand this correctly, but um, my understanding is that. Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, Mexico's labor law reform passed in 2019. So it's not. It's a successor to NAFTA uh, requires unions to hold secret ballot votes to validate all existing collective bargaining agreements. So it's intended to allow workers to democratically choose their unions, a freedom long denied Mexican workers. Hmm. Um, so it is, I, I guess it is a good reform to what had been previous in yeah. NAFTA. Um, okay. Well, that's something yeah. good. Sweet. That's good news. And then I had another story from uh, Missouri uh, from Jefferson Davis County, who... Oh, good. Yeah, uh, it is actually a positive story. Um, school bus drivers in Mississippi go on strike for one hour, secure pay increase of over $5 an hour. So... That's fucking sweet. Yeah, yeah I would have stayed on strike for two hours and gotten $10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically, uh, they found out that the uh, what they called emergency drivers, basically scabs, we're getting paid $25 an hour. And they're like, uh, hey, what the fuck? We're getting 15 an hour. And so they went on striking. Now they're getting $20 an hour. So they're still getting paid less than scabs. I hate it. Yeah, no, it, it sucks, but it's better than what it was before. So I still think we need to um, we need to go back to her, like beating up scabs. <laughs> I mean, I just really we have we have strayed very far from that but like dude come on scabs got to get their ass to speed so that people understand that oof yeah you want me to do that you're gonna have to pay me like 300 an hour because i'm definitely gonna get my ass whipped, right you know? i really want to like start and, scabbing at places just so i can fuck things up i mean that's fair too but like you could t- well i don't know maybe you get your ass beat for that i, I was know. like <laughs> but you might be able to explain like hey i'm a, <laughs> i'm on your side i don't know there's got to be a a secret uh, symbol. You I'll just walk through the sign, entrance like. and then give everyone like a big exaggerated wink. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a way to get this done. But I mean, you know, beating up scabs would have to be organized in some fashion, right? So there, there's room for secret signals and such if it's organized. Oh, dude, when Ayasi almost went on strike, I had friends who legitimately told me that they were worried I was going to go to jail. They were like, <laughs> please do not hurt people if you guys go on strike. See, that's see, that's the problem. That's why you need to get a position in that union so that you can stop telling people, hey, don't please don't hurt scabs. And you can start saying, oh, no, no, I'm talking about like my personal friends were like, please stay out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> We know who you are. Please don't do the thing you're obviously thinking about doing. (laughs) And then my better friends were like, yeah, I'm with you. I didn't see shit. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's all I got for labor history. Um, should we go on to our, uh, what is it? Five minutes of hate for uh, Elon Musk. Can we keep it down to five? Five. Uh, okay, yeah, I can't mind. imagine. There's how many story? How many Elon Musk stories do we have this week? We're we're up to like three, and this is, by the way, after months of not having a news episode, we could have gone back pretty far to find shitty articles about Elon Musk. But these all ha- are like current as of like the last couple of days. Yeah. Are you guys seeing like, the pictures that went around "quote unquote" welding Twitter, which is apparently a thing? Where people like, or somebody was working on a Tesla and saw the welds from the factory. I, I, oh, I actually shared, <laughs> I shared that on our Instagram a while, a while back. Yeah, they're bad. Was it the front You're bumper like, one? I think I saw that. Uh, Mike from Turn Leftist sent me that picture. And in turn, I sent him pictures of my welds. And he was just <laughs> like, holy fuck. <laughs> It's, it's it's especially incredible because like most welding in auto plants is automated anyway. Like you can't fuck up. Yeah. If because it's a machine, it's programmed to go exactly the same way every single time. You have to like put it there where the pieces aren't matched together or some shit to like get a bad weld like that, or not give enough electricity to the machine. I don't know, but like it's supposed to be automated, so you shouldn't have some you know, person with a fucking welder, which is, which could be what they're doing. I don't know, it, but yeah, it sure. It looks most... like they just got some random guy off the street and gave him a spool <laughs> gun and said, go at it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It's like, and somehow that company is worth more than, you know, all the American car makers combined. Right. <laughs> Even though it has like what, less than 10% of the, the way less. the production of way is like Ford or whatever. Yeah. And 50% of their cars have been recalled now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, capitalism right there. How is, how is that sustainable? And it's like, well, uh, the stock price is the, and you're like, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, capitalism is a scam is the word you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, so I, I distracted us. That was just a, a sort of a sidebar. That's not even one of the big three news stories from, from Elon <laughs> Musk. Yeah. Um, I mean, the big one I wanted to talk about is uh, from the LA Times, horrific allegations of racism prompt California lawsuit against Tesla. So uh, I'm not going to read all the slurs that people have been throwing around, but oh, um, good. Yeah, much appreciated. Let's just say that uh, black workers were not treated well in in the Tesla factory in um, in California. Huh. The uh, the former you don't say. Yeah, this is a former Numi factory that we talked about uh, in whatever episode that is. It's called Numi. I forget the number. Yeah, and uh, they were also segregated into their own area. Uh, the the black workers were. Uh, they were given the worst jobs, like uh, scrubbing floors on their hands and knees. Uh, there were lots of. Uh, gr- Wait, hold on, hold on. How the fuck does this guy? like oh i'm an innovator and he has people scrubbing floors on their hands and knees yeah i, I how the fuck on. is he an what? innovator his people invented oh god damn I, I forgot the fucking word god damn it i ruined my own joke because i just i mean he's 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 not an innovator at all but like people think this and you're just like dude they don't even have a mop they have people with a sponge on the floor hey we on this is the joke Medieval I was going to make shit. was he's not an innovator. His people invented apartheid decades ago. <laughs> but then I forgot Oof. the word apartheid for a second and fucked it all up. 
Yeah. But you, you, you came back around for us. Well, <laughs> you always get there. <laughs> I forget where it was, but I saw someone say like, oh, oh, uh, uh, white South African is treating black people poorly. <laughs> Surprise Pikachu face. You know, like, yeah, that's just, you know. And people like when you bring up a part that he grew up in apartheid South Africa, they're like, oh, and people just like, oh, well, Elon's different. He no, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, no, he's. He loved it. He wants that again. He pretends otherwise, but that's that's his culture right there. It is oppressing non-white people. Yeah. 100%. Colonialism is his game. <laughs> Somewhere I found this uh, song. I think I'll cut in a clip of it here. Uh, something like, I, I've never met a nice white South African or something like that. So... I've met the king of China and the working Yorkshire miner, but I've never met a nice South African. No, he's never met a nice South African. And it's not bloody surprising, man, because we're a bunch of arrogant horses who hate black people. Yeah, it's a, it's a known phenomenon. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. There's more examples of, of terrible racism in here. I won't read it all. You can You can go through it, but... I mean, this now. Do, does the article really go into some of the segregation? Like, how is it? Like, how was this organized in such a fashion that it's so stark that like it's hiring managers who are just racist themselves, or like, do they know Musk's culpability in this? Like, is it just I foster a racist environment because I don't give a shit, or is it like, hey? I like white workers. You should put them higher or whatever. Um, I mean, I'm maybe the, I, it would be incredibly hard to believe that they would get Elon Musk personally culpable in a lot of that. But the, I think it's the outcomes that are pretty, pretty damning in and of themselves. I would think. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't, I can't speak to all of that. I mean, I can read you what uh, Musk wrote about it. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. So uh, Musk, who grew up in South Africa, responded to the 2017 class action lawsuit. Uh, This is a different one, uh, which called the company a hotbed of racist behavior with an email to employees describing company culture as hardcore and demanding. Anyone who makes an unintentional slur, his words, should apologize, he wrote. An unintentional? Wait, (laughs) I like how the assumption, oh, if you, uh, I don't know. If you unintentionally get caught, I assume is yeah, what he if means. You're, if you're in a heated gamer moment, you know. And the, <laughs> recipi- <laughs> and the recipient of the slur should be thick-skinned and accept the apology. Ooh, what? Yeah. Oh, come on. Oh, my God. Just for this so man. So you're telling me that Joe Rogan's buddy might be a little bit racist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, unbelievable. I mean, look, you know he's right. Like you just, you're like, all right, everything about this. He's a white South African. He's he's a billionaire. I mean, you know, you know he's going to be racist. There's no way he's not. But hearing about it in just so you're just like, it's just I don't know. I find racism shocking every time, even though you're not surprised by it. You know, it's always yeah. just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh unbelievable it's really distressing to read some of these which is why i didn't really want to but it does say at least 160 worker lawsuits have been filed against tesla 
since 2006. The last two years have seen a major uptick in racial and sexual harassment suits against Tesla. One was lodged by a female black employee who said her female white boss struck her with a hot grinding tool and called her stupid and the N-word and insulted her intelligence. I mean, come on. I was actually expecting something less overt than that. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I don't understand how that's... That's crazy. That's just crazy. Yeah. And um, I forget if you know, they're trying to save the world. You know, they can't be worrying about uh, political correctness (laughs) while they save the world. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Wow. Saving the world. Um, And then I also found an older article from 2014 um, about uh, SpaceX workers launching their third suit. Uh, against uh, racist policies, uh, and I think these were mostly uh, South Af- or excuse me, South Asian workers. It, the policies allowed abusive verbal behavior to persist, and not allowing African American and gay employees to be given the same terms of employment and opportunities for advancement as their colleagues. Yeah, and Gross. I forget if, which article it was. One of them was talking about how. The uh, one of the law firms that is representing some of these some of the people suing Tesla, they were saying like we you know we normally do like like one racial discrimination lawsuit every ten years and we're bringing like ten against this company in this one year like what the fuck Tesla like that's so obnoxious yeah um, I might have the numbers wrong on that uh, but go read the article it's. It'll it'll make you mad at Tesla and Musk and uh, just American general. I'm gonna say. I mean, which listeners to our show probably don't need any extra reasons to hate any of these things, but still, it's just like unreal to just yeah. to actually hear to actually see the evidence and like know that it's for sure happening. Yeah, gross. Yeah, and then uh, and then Connor, you had a few things about one of uh, his other companies Neuralink, right? Yeah. Which, which is a company that like, yeah, I've, I've heard of here and there, but just, you know, there's a million companies that you're like, yeah, whatever. That's another one of Elon Musk's scam companies. Um, So I wasn't even really aware um, of this one or didn't have it on my radar much, but uh, yeah, apparently horrific, horrific allegations about this company Neuralink, which is um, I'm on. Uncl- I, I guess the company was set up to <laughs> convince people who naturally love Elon Musk and think he's a genius. Um, and Neuralink is a company doing research to find ways to make them believe they're smarter in some way. Like, oh, here, take this brain pill and you'll be like a entrepreneur guy like elon musk or hook this electrode to your brain and you'll operate at 120 percent you know productivity or something and then maybe your boss will notice you and then you know then you're um i don't know taking personal responsibility and you can be wealthy too and blah 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 whatever nonsense well i my understanding was that that their marketing at least is that they're intending this as a way for like disabled people to control prosthetics or 
be able to see or hear uh, with, you know, a computer interface or something? I mean, could be, but um, all of that stuff already exists as far as I'm aware. Like that shit already, like people control prosthetics all the time. Very normal thing these days, which is cool. (laughs) I mean, that's great. I mean, really. Yeah. But in typical Elon Musk fashion, the way he's going about it is just uh, awful in every way. Um, he's going to cut corners, keep costs down, and he's making huge claims about human trials starting in 2018 and then 2019 and then 2020 and then 2021. And uh, currently he is saying uh, human trials by the end of 2021. So probably uh, is human trial shortly after the release of the Cybertruck. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so this is a company that just, I don't know, people believe it when Elon Musk says, oh, oh, he's going to be doing human trials in, you know, no time. Like, oh, look how much progress they've made. It's like they've made no progress. Um, and apparently they're testing all this stuff on uh, poor monkeys. And um, so the, the news here is that uh, this is from Business Insider. Uh, Animal rights group says monkeys used in experiments for Elon Musk's Neuralink were subjected to extreme suffering. So not not a good start where this is where this is going. And so let's see here. So the animal rights group is accusing researchers of subjecting monkeys to illegal mistreatment and extreme suffering while testing brain implants for Neuralink, the biotech company owned by the Tesla billionaire Elon Musk. And so some of the uh, suffering that these monkeys um, have experienced, I think it was, what was it? Um, We'll get to the number in a minute. Neuralink is developing a device that would be embedded in humans' brains to monitor and potentially stimulate brain activity. The device consists of a microchip and wires that would be threaded through a patient's skull into the brain. So knowing Tesla build quality, I don't think I would want this implant in my brain. (laughs) Okay. And, of course, knowing all the recalls uh, for Tesla, just imagine what will happen when there's a recall on your Neuralink fucking brain chip. Don't do it, people. Don't do it. Even if it's normal someday in 20 years and everybody's got their Neuralink brain chip, maybe be the holdout. Be the Luddite. Don't don't get this shit in your brain, please. So the... um, The research at the center of the allegations is affiliated with the University of California at Davis, which operates a federal primate research facility. So, of course, um, this is research done at the college by this company. So I'm sure um, to some extent, Elon Musk's company is probably benefiting from like cheap grad student labor on top of everything and state funded research, you know, uh, resources. Um, are going to help this billionaire. So also great. The PCRM, the group um, who is making these allegations, says it obtained more than 700 pages of documents, including veterinary records and necropsy reports through a public records request to the university. Um, Now, the records relate to 23 monkeys owned by Neuralink, which were housed and experimented upon at UC Davis's facility from 2020. 2017 to 2020. Uh, And I think a rather significant number uh, of those monkeys died as a result of this um, horrific, awful torture. And I'm trying to find the number here, but it says uh, 15 out of 23 died. Yeah. 
not good. And he's still claiming that human trials are right around the corner. And so are, are we ready for one of my more controversial takes of the show? Real quick, let me find some of the descriptions of what was going on as examples before we do get into that. So also in its draft complaint, the PCRM gave examples of incidents uh, where it believed um, monkeys had suffered unduly. One monkey was documented as having missing fingers and toes, possibly Mm. from self-mutilation or some other unspecified trauma, according to the draft complaint. Yeah, so like these poor animals were under outrageous stress and horrible um, experimentation that led to them harming themselves, dying or, you know, experiencing pretty extreme uh, torture. So, I mean, this is awful. And of course, it's not just Elon Musk. This goes to the university system as well, where it's like apparently acceptable to like drill holes into monkeys heads for this kind of experimentation, uh, you know? So, yeah, yeah this is some I, real Hannibal Lecter shit, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. There's certain things that maybe just like, I'm all for making progress and I get, you can't necessarily just drill holes into human beings heads right away, but like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Or we just don't do this for a while till we figure out a better way. Cause like, this is some uh, this is some pretty grisly grisly stuff. Apparently, Neuralink did not respond when contacted by uh, media for comment on the situation. But yeah, a lot of the monkeys died, and uh, they're being horribly, horribly mistreated. Um, yeah, exactly what you would expect from an Elon Musk company claiming to innovate something that is never going to happen. And I guarantee you, if this goes to human trials it's gonna be a horrific disaster and people who start buying this stuff it's gonna be awful i'm sure so yeah all right anyway brandon you've got uh, some thoughts on that though yeah um again i i said probably one of my more controversial takes on the show because uh for as many times as i've advocated for stalin there are at least leftists who like Stalin. If there's one group of people that everyone seems to universally hate, it's vegans. And I don't talk about it a lot on the show, but as you guys know, like I've been vegan for damn near fucking 20 years. And I don't prioritize it because I tend to prioritize like bettering the life of humans. Uh, but if this outrages you that they treated these animals this way, you should really uh, consider dipping your toes into some of the animal rights literature out there because what they are doing is absolutely par for the course and in some ways not even as bad as the routine treatment of animals in agriculture. So if if the incredibly poor treatment of 20-some-odd monkeys uh, is disgusting to you, Wait until you find out what they are doing to millions and millions of other animals. Yeah, it's yeah, gross. Like, it really is, is. Is what they did bad? Yes. Is it abnormal in almost any way? No. Even in laboratory circumstances, the treatment of animals is absolutely abhorrent. Like, I have seen videos of things that just make me sick to my fucking stomach. And not being done by a farmer who's just trying to sell beef. It done by a researcher who is, should 
theoretically theoretically be like an educated professional like proper person who is literally just picking up a dog by his hind legs and slamming it on the floor because it won't stop barking uh oh jesus yes this what you are seeing in this news story is I, i mean granted my like i have not been active in any animal rights circles in over 10 years so if any significant progress has been made uh uh, I am not aware of that, but I highly doubt that some anything like that would happen without it like uh, crossing my newsfeed. Uh, so yeah, if I had to take a shot in the dark, I would say that this kind of stuff is happening in every major city in the country, in at least a couple of places, and uh, it's disgusting. And you should condemn all of it, not just the one that got leaked. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree. And also like. There's all these what they call ag gag laws now where it basically makes it illegal for animal rights activists to like film or record anything in, um, uh, you know, like an animal processing plant, uh, um, you know, slaughterhouse or a feedlot or anything like that. Well, uh, uh, many years ago when I was more active in animal rights circles and I believe that this was renewed, there was the Animal Enterprises Terrorism Act which deemed any act taken to uh, the detriment of any a- animal, like agricultural sector, could be cons- like charged as terrorism. So it was literally worded so loosely that uh, if you were to ab- able to make an effective ad campaign against beef, it would qualify. Like being vegan technically qualified under the wording of the Animal Enterprises Terrorism Act. I even had a friend who was, I believe he was charged under the Animal Enterprises Terrorism Act because he set, uh, I believe it was a mink farm. He set a bunch of mink free. Wow. And he did not do an extraordinary amount of time, but he did some time for, you know, letting these animals free. Yeah, I got like, if, if. I don't know. I I could get real militant about this, but yeah, there's a lot of people who are torturing animals and every single one of those people has a name and address. Yeah, I agree. It's shitty. Yeah. Treatment of animals all around. Terrible. Terrible. I of course do play my own role in that because I am not a vegan and I should be. But I'm a I'm a baby, and I understand yeah. that. And I'm I don't moralize it and go, oh well, no, it's wrong, it's wrong, and I'm a baby about it. But there's still there is no reason for this kind of treatment of any animal. For there's just no. It's more routine we, than you realize. It's it's very routine in every. It's not even. Yeah, it's. It's easy to not understand it when you see it on the grocery store shelf, how it got well, there, but it's one, always One of bad. the most disgusting sectors are, um, there is a phenomenon where if you were in academia, uh, it's surprisingly easy to get funding for things where you were testing on animals. So people will, just for the sake of, of getting funding for something, so that they continue doing research on other things or, or whatever. It really depends on exactly like what department you're in and so on and so forth. But uh, it's easy to get 
funding for animal experiments. So a lot of them get done and it is widely known in a lot of avenues that the types of research that get done on animals provide little to no useful information. Like a good example was, uh, there was an experiment where dogs were being force fed, um, like fat, like just pure fat, because they were trying to document the way that like, uh, fat impacted arteries, so on and so forth, you know, things like that to to try and study like, uh, cardiac problems in humans. The problem is that dogs eat more meat biologically than people do and process things differently. And so you can literally just pump pure fat into their stomachs and they will digest it more efficiently than people do where it clogs up our arteries. It has a, a not entirely similar effect on them. So the research was done and funded and they determined that it didn't really help anything, which was a thing that anybody who had done cursory research beforehand could have determined. Yeah. But they did kill a lot of dogs. At least there's that. Yeah. Because even when the experiments aren't fatal, the animals are put down when they're done with the testing. Uh, Yeah. And, and I'm not vegan either. I can't, you know, take any moral high ground on that, but like, I don't know. It just, it does remind me of like, you know, in the middle ages, they had all these like stupid festivals where you would like, I don't know, tie a bunch of cats together and set them on fire for no reason or whatever. And people, you know, people think like to think, Oh, you know, that, People were so backwards then, you know, we've come such a long way, you know, but really it, we haven't. It's just out of sight, out of mind for most people. Um, like, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not one of, of the uh, uh, vegan communist types who think that uh, animal agriculture is going to disappear under the perfect communist state. But ag- like in... Uh, we, we do fall especially victim to the problem of, of capitalism here where it does get uh, fetishized in the way that, uh, as long as you are not seeing it, it is not real to you. It is not a problem. You don't have to live with it. And that is especially true for in, any in industries that exploit animals. Yeah. Yeah. Like even your average meat eater, I would say would probably be sick to their stomach if they saw the, the treatment of the animals that they eventually eat. Right. Oh, they, they would it's very easy to craft this image of the small little farm and an animal that lives a, you know, perfectly fine life. And then, you know, okay. Then there's the one day of, you know, where it's, you know, killed. And then, then it's turns into hamburger or whatever, but like, that's not the reality. The reality is a lifetime of torture. By comparison, I've, I've known people who, you know, raise their own animals and have chickens and, and get their eggs and, I don't know, man. I still think it's real fucking weird when you have a, an animal for a handful of years and then kill it and eat it. But it's a more natural part of the, the process. And like, you know, I have friends who have bees and raise honey or collect eggs or whatever, and they're not hurting nothing. I'm not going to condemn that sort of behavior. I, I'm I, I have condemned people who who have veganism as their own sort of fetish, where uh, you ignore whether something is right or wrong and just pay attention to whether or not it adheres to the label. But yeah, that's, that's my rant. Everyone hates vegans. I get it, but we're right sometimes. <laughs> yeah. More often than not. Yeah. That's fair. No, it was a good little, uh, good little, good, good little bit. I'm glad we went into cause uh, yeah, it's, 
we're talking about a, a news story about you know a handful of monkeys when the reality is like yeah animal torture just very normal the world over totally fine or perceived as totally fine or just not paid attention to so yeah that sucks for sure pigs are a good example they are just deemed like disgusting like filthy creatures and they are one of the most intelligent and empathetic animals out there more mm, more yeah, so than dogs yeah they're almost uh they're very similar to humans in a lot of ways yep more so than most animals so yeah fucked up yeah so if uh if if that Neuralink uh, story bummed you out, maybe reconsider some things. If you don't, you don't. I've done my part. Yeah. Well, I had some other stories that I was going to talk about, but I think uh, we're running out of time here. Did you guys have anything else that you all wanted to talk about? Or should we save those for another time, maybe? Um. You know what? Let's... Um. I think we got time for one or two more if we're quick about it. Okay. Um, so I might suggest I see the uh, the new new GM hire might be an interesting oh. <laughs> story. Um, um, no, yeah. but see, I don't think that is interesting. I heard she got the job just because she was really qualified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, if you don't know what we're talking about, the, the headline from the Detroit News is uh, GM hires Biden niece, former Obama aide to help environment sustainability and government policy. So um, Missy <laughs> Owens, uh, who is the niece of President Joe Biden, was hired by General Motors to uh, head up their environment, sustainability, and governance policy. Interesting. Yep, this all seems above board. She was just really qualified for the job. Nepotism <laughs> probably didn't have anything to do with this. Yeah, this is this is literally the definition of nepotism, you know, like it's right there in the name. It's like, you know, I mean, nepotism comes from Latin, basically meaning hiring your nephews, which is what the popes would do back in the Middle Ages. But uh, yeah, not much has changed, I guess. That's right. It's exactly. This is not nepotism. This is niceism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I it's, I don't know um, enough. I don't know enough Latin to uh, properly change the gender on that one, but yeah, something like that. Yeah, no, this is a perfect uh, example of just, you know, a situation in which, and I hear this from conservatives all the time, they're like, capitalism gives uh, equality of opportunity. And then you read a story <laughs> like this and you're like, I'm pretty sure that equality of opportunity is literally impossible under capitalism because you have hierarchies right where some people are above others who are in positions of power who then get to set up their family for other positions of power you're like you can't there's no equality there it's impossible um or you know bakunin was one of his things he was against the most was inheritance and he held that like if we could end familial inheritance if we could do, if there was only one thing you could change about capitalism and, it, and you took away inheritance, capitalism could never get the kind of strength that it has today. Um, and I actually think he was right about that. Like if we could cripple that, we would be in a much better position, but obviously we, we can't. But inheritance and nepotism is like, and just p conservatives and even liberals just deny that it happens. No, they're yeah. more qualified. Oh, they're... They weren't, they just worked hard and you're like, no, they're somebody's 
fucking niece or nephew. Like, that's why they got the good job. They they're they're family to the fucking president, so they get whatever job they want. That's how yeah. it works. And and you know, this is also what Marx was talking about when he was railing against the bourgeois family. It's like you know a lot of. A lot of people will take that the wrong way and say, oh, Marx was anti-family. No, he was against the bourgeois concept of family where it's like a business, you know. Yes, you... <laughs> where, where people get married based on their fucking assets, which today right. you have to, right? You can't, no one can afford, hardly anyone can afford to live on their own. You, you have to split a household. You have to split expenses and stuff. That's just the reality. And so like you get into this really perverse situation where love is based on, business transactions like how fucked is that (laughs) you know it's like yeah and so uh marx and and all these leftists back in the day were talking about creating conditions in which families could exist based on things like love and choice and we're not we're not getting into situations where people are coerced into creating financial relationships right but you know, here we are. This is the world that they wanted. So, and by they, I mean you know, the the conservatives, the the liberals, the the capitalists. Yeah. All right, we're we're recording here the day before Valentine's Day, and uh, Connor's coming out hard against the family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would too, but it would just come from a place of bitterness for me. <laughs> uh, same. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think it was also funny that, you know, she's, she's going to be in Washington lobbying the government for like, um, like sustainability and like electric vehicle policies and stuff like that. Like it's, I don't know. It's just. And so you know, basically, so she's the like, Oh, creating a, she's the lobbyist for sustainability and environmental protection and everything. And it's like, okay. And by that, they mean lobbying the government for, Hey, can we get a break on this regulation? Hey, can we skip this? Hey, can you write the law in this way? So that that's what it's, it's, it's to do the opposite. Yeah. It, we, the, the job title is just, it's a misnomer. It's whatever the job title is. She's doing the opposite of that. Listen, I don't want you to break the law to have to accomplish what I want you to accomplish. So I'm going to have my uncle change the law. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I I forget who said this, but someone was talking about how, like, electric vehicles are not really designed to save the environment. They're really designed to save the car industry from environmental regulation. Like, that's, that's really what this is about. It's like... Okay, how can we how can we still build Hummers that weigh nine thousand pounds <laughs> <laughs> and still do it in a quote sustainable way? Like uh, someone was saying, like you know, if you took the average electric car and split apart the battery pack, you could have like four hundred electric bikes, you know, for that same amount of batteries. Like, there's more sustainable ways to to do this, but I don't know. I I'm just ranting. I think. Uh, I, I think the interesting thing about the electric car industry is that it's basically doing the thing that I was just talking about animal agriculture doing, which is uh, figuratively speaking, exporting the violence. 
Because historically, yeah. like there was so much pollution in cities and cars create so much pollution in cities that if they can eliminate that under the like, and obviously there are renewable resources and the more you up uh, solar, wind, tidal energies, whatever, the less this will become true. But while we are still getting a, a, the heft of our energy from fossil fuels, what you're doing is exporting pollution to communities outside of urban areas. Right. Or outside of the Imperial core, because a lot yeah. of the metals mined for batteries come from the third world. Well, I'm not even uh, addressing that. I'm strictly saying like the power that is generated to run these vehicles yeah. has to be made somewhere. And in America, it's probably going to be fossil fuels. So you have to, you know, get, there, there are still going to be communities who are, are polluted and they're not going to be wealthy communities. It's it's just yeah. It's it's that way that like when you start looking at individual portions of America as, as sort of microcosms, it's it's almost like I know people have written about this, and I'm not well versed in it, but it, there are very much parts of America that don't feel like the imperial core. They feel like one of the regions being exploited, and that's yeah. where the pollution gets exported to. Like, yeah. like, like, like Appalachia, people have called that an internal colony in the U.S., you know? Like, like what I'm saying is there's not going to be a coal-fired power plant in Manhattan, f- like, fueling <laughs> these electric vehicles. Right. It's, it's going to be in a poorer community that doesn't have the money to lobby to keep that pollution out. And will exactly. be ecstatic that it's there because it will be yeah, the so only job say- in town that pays over $20 an hour. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, I... I have seen analysis of electric cars that, you know, they are more efficient, even if you do use fossil fuel to generate the electricity. However, that's not necessarily what I'm saying is I, I think the, the solution is, you know, public transit, bicycles, not individual cars for commuting, like, or, you know, just having housing closer to workplaces. I don't know. But like, that's a systemic problem, not an individual choice, which is what, you know, liberalism wants us to, to think that this problem is, is just, you know, don't use plastic bags, use paper straws, drive. Render yourself car. over to Chairman G. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we got a little off track, but. I don't know. We're still, we're still talking about cars. We're good. <laughs> As, as I mean, off track from this uh, this headline about Biden's niece, but yeah, I think one of these one of these days we're going to have to really do a deep dive on the efficacy of electric cars and the pollution that comes along with them because I think yeah. that's a really tough topic that I don't have a yeah. hard position on myself right now. I'm like, yeah, that's a complicated issue, and, um, and I think I plugged it before, but the the YouTube channel engineering explained did a good job of explaining yeah, this he did. and, and you know, like, um, you know, it's not, it's like a 20 minute long video and it shows you like in this case, in this case, maybe a hybrid car is better in this case, maybe a full electric car is better. You know, in this case, maybe it's better to just keep your regular internal combustion engine car that is, you know, on the road and, and rather than buying a brand new one, you know, or maybe yeah. we could just get a goddamn high-speed rail system. Yes. 
<laughs> that would be so fucking cool. Yeah. Ugh. No more planes. We don't need planes. Yeah. I the, those I don't know. Sorry. I, I'll have more on this on in an upcoming episode, but like there just used to be so much commuter rail in major US cities that was just torn up in favor of automobiles and buses. And it's really sad, you know, but I don't know. Yep. It's what what could have been, I guess. Oh. Thanks, capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, I think that's all we got. So, uh, you know, probably uh, probably the end there. So, hey, you should you should rate and review our show uh, on whatever app you're using. And, uh, you know, come hang out with us on uh, various social media places. You yeah. Know, Reddit, Twitter. Uh, what's the other one? Instagram. Uh, yeah, you're killing yeah. it on Instagram. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I have fun there. <laughs> I do. I do go and check there every once in a while. I'm like, oh, Connor's got a good, good meme there. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah, I do have to. Uh, I do have to start minting some some fresh ones pretty soon here. But I got some ideas, and I have a few that I'm sitting on. Some real good ones that I'm just like, I'm waiting. They're not out yet, but I have them. I'm, yeah, I'm so- saving them. And I'll say, for all the criticism I make of our show being dumb, I recently listened to it for the first time, and uh, we're pretty good. So, you know, keep listening to us. <laughs> yeah. Brandon, who's on the show, says the show's pretty good. So huh, you should, yeah. too. He's well, but I've also spent the last year con- like complaining that we suck, like because <laughs> that's just my bit. But, like, I listened to it and was genuinely entertained, so we must be all right. <laughs> and that's through the lens of self-criticism. <laughs> Well, yeah, so, you know, if you listen and you like the show, you should rate us or review or whatever. And then yeah. follow our social media. We do we do have a couple of reviews on, on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever it's called these days. Oh, and do we? Cool. Yeah so, yeah, so thank you for the people that did do that. Oh, yeah, yeah that rules. Thanks. Wait, were they good? Yes, they were positive. Okay, okay cool. Good. Then thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's all I got. So uh, I guess, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Oh, and uh, one more thing, you know, just um, if you do want to be a guest on the show, don't think that you're unqualified. Uh, We don't know what the fuck we're talking about. So we are also unqualified. Yeah. So email us, say, hey, I want to be on the show and we'll probably put you on the show. I mean, half the guests that have been on there already have just been my friends. So, you know, (laughs) yeah, I actually uh, there's there's a few there's a few future guests that I have to get back in contact with. But uh I, I'm the worst about scheduling guests, so I'm really bad about that. So I got to get better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we should definitely talk about this. But then we did get into the Walter Ruther series and that like, yeah, that, fuck, that just destroyed every all of my original pants. I was like, oh, this is a, this is going to be a long series. <laughs> that was a lot of research and, and notes that you did. So thanks. Thanks for doing all that. No problem, but this I am very ready to much get back on the like horse. an off air conversation that we're having. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe we yeah. should stop. <laughs> yep. Bye, everybody. Right, thanks for listening. <laughs> My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. When left entirely on its own devices, capitalism foists its diseconomies and its toxicity upon the general public and upon the natural environment. And then it 
does an interesting thing. It eventually begins to devour itself. If the paladins of corporate America want to know what really threatens our way of life, it's their way of life. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. Uh, it's important that we examine the twin forces behind the Biden candidacy. The billionaires and the Bolsheviks. Ha, 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 ha.